before we start, in case you haven't seen it before, I just wanted to remind you of just how groundbreaking it is, not just for the content, but when it launched, it was the fifth biggest opening weekend of all time, and also the biggest opening weekend ever for any movie not directed by a white man, and the biggest solo superhero launch of all time. So, it's pretty impressive. And that's beside what it's about, which is amazing in itself. This is a special moment in cultural history. And tonight, um, because it's such a special moment in cultural history, we're combining the screening with a panel discussion inspired by one of the film's characters, Shiri, who you can see up there. Um, she's played by Letitia Wright, and I don't want to give away any spoilers in case you haven't seen the film before, um, but Shuri is an engineer, a maker, an inventor, and she's young, she's female, and she's black. And today is International Women in Engineering Day, so we'll be discussing just how important it is to have role models like her, both real and fictional, and how women like her and these real role models that we have here are inspiring women in engineering. So just so you know the plan for the evening, this panel discussion will go first, and it will last about half an hour, um, including questions. So think of some nice, intelligent questions for the panel. And let me begin by introducing our wonderful speakers. So just so you know who I am, I'm Angela Saini. I studied engineering, but I've been a science journalist for most of my life. And I wrote a book uh, last year about women, uh, what science tells us about women. Yawanda uh, Akinola is a design engineer. Her engineering experience and responsibilities include the design, manufacture, and construction of sustainable buildings. She's worked on projects across the world, and she's won several awards, including the UK's Young Woman Engineer of the Year in 2012, Man Management Today's 35 Women Under 35, and UK Outstanding Women in STEM. Really impressive. <laughs> And we have uh, Maya Pantit. She's a professor of effective and behavioral computing at Imperial College, just next door. And she works on machine analysis of human nonverbal behavior and its applications to human computer, human robot, and computer mediated human human interaction. Big job. <laughs> and we have Nikkei Folian. She is a chartered electronics engineer specializing in telecommunication systems designed for transport infrastructure. And she told me earlier that if you go to Victoria Station, she knows where all the security cameras are, in case that's useful to you. <laughs> She's the founder and chair of the Association for Black and Minority Ethnic Engineers, which campaigns for more ethnic diversity in UK engineering, which we desperately need. Now, Shuri... Now, although Shuri's character is familiar, um, you know, lots of movies have this kind of gadget genius behind the main protagonist who's designing the tech that's going to fight the villains and help that main protagonist get to where they need to be. Um, Shuri doesn't necessarily fit that stereotype um, that we often associate with these people. She's not this kind of nervous male nerd in glasses. She's not only super smart, but she's also funny. And she's unapologetically confident in her creations. Now, the first thing I want to ask the panel is, was there anyone that inspired you, real or fictional, um, or a moment perhaps, that inspired you to take up a career in engineering and become the fabulous woman that you are? Yolanda, oh my you goodness. Yeah, 
Yeah, oh. excellent. Um, not really. Um, <laughs> I, I, w I was going to study architecture, and that was my thing for such a long time. I, I, you know, I, I wanted to be able to, to design amazing buildings for um, my family, for myself, for my cousins, for my sisters, the entire family. Um, and that was my longest running ambition. Like, um, I, I, I drew my inspiration from fictional characters, and they weren't necessarily um, science-oriented. There was a lot of Anne of Green Gables and, like, you know, characters like that. Um, but mom, mom, mom could kind of, like, she could see that, you know, there was a bit of creativity, and she thought engineering would be great to kind of combine with my creativity. And so she called me into a room one day and said, daughter, you shall study engineering. <laughs> it wasn't quite that, but, yeah, she lobbied and lobbied, and I have never looked back. Ever made you feel like this wasn't a job for women? Oh no, never. She, she, yeah. I, I, I don't know if she was trying to get me to design engineering solutions for herself, <laughs> which is very possible. But yeah, she thought I was capable. That's amazing, Maya. What about you? No female role model. Nikola Tesla was one of my models. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so for those who may not know, Nikola Tesla is actually the one who is behind alternate electricity. This is why we have this electricity that we have now. This is why we have these lights. His name actually became popular um, lately in the last couple of years because we have the Tesla cars. He's actually um, somebody from our country, from Serbia. And he was one of the geniuses. So yeah, he was a real model, but no female role model. So there was a connection there for you, but it was a kind of connection of place rather than a female connection there. I didn't think uh, at that time that that's something special. No, I like the guy. I think he was really cool. Let's okay. <laughs> talk about that. <laughs> okay. okay, what about you? Audrey Hepburn was my role model. And this <laughs> sounds really odd, but I wanted to grow up and be her. I didn't realize that I couldn't be. Really. <laughs> um, it, it was just... I just thought she was the, one of the most amazing women in the world. And um, in terms of engineering, um, my dad's an engineer, so that would have been a clue, but I constantly argued with him about how what I wanted to do was electronics, and so it couldn't be engineering. Mm -hmm. And so from that perspective, um, I didn't. And from my, my mum just thought, no, this is not a good idea. She wanted me to be an architect, interestingly enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I find it interesting because for me as well, my dad was an engineer and I've met, uh, you know, often when I give talks, a lot of top female scientists or engineers that I meet tell them it was their father that was a scientist or engineer and that, you know, was a kind of route for them to believing that they could do it too. Do you think then engineering has an image problem, that there aren't enough women there who have been visible, certainly in our upbringing, but even today? Um, to help girls feel that you know this is something they can relate to. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely correct. Um, there, there, there are a lot of um, female engineers who are doing amazing work, um, and um, I think we've got that visibility issue. Um, they're, they're not there for you to see. Um, and well, I, I guess that's because there's only I mean nine to ten percent of them in, in the in the STEM workforce or in the engineering workforce. Um, but yeah, we really, really, really lack role models, and, and that's why 
it really excites us when we when we meet you know fellow female engineers or um, when we um, are faced with you know characters like this on the big screen. And um, uh, Maya, we were talking earlier about Serbia because they have very good rates of women in science, not in all aspects of engineering. But why is that? Why is Serbia so good and, and Western Europe is so bad? Um, I don't know. It's a good question. But um, there, I guess it has to be with uh, this whole idea that there is no difference between human beings. And I think this difference is between human beings, unfortunately, comes from religion. So, um, as you know, Serbia was belonging to Yugoslavia, and at that time, um, it was decided that that was a communistic country, so there was no religion. So everybody was just simply the same. So I think that in, in Western world and some other parts of the world, it seems that, you know, there is this idea of original sin, and somehow from that, this whatever this original sin is, was always blamed to girls, and then from that stems some other ideas that maybe, you know, these girls are not worthy of certain things. Mm -hmm. And I think it propagates, but, uh, and not only worthy, but not capable of doing certain things, which I think is pity, because in principle, I believe that everybody, ev each and every human being has uh, a chance and, and fantastic brain that can be trained to become whatever that being wants to be. So I think it's pity that this is killed in one or the other way. Mm. So do you feel like society these days in the UK is very gendered? I mean, I know when I take my son to the toy shop, it's a pink aisle and there's a blue aisle, which I'm not sure I remember that being there when I was a kid, but maybe it was. So do you feel that, you know, we are forcing children in ways that we weren't forcing? This starts very early. This is the whole problem. Um, what was said just before, yes, we don't have enough of role models, but you cannot have a lot of role models because we simply... Uh, prediction these kids to to be princesses if they are girls mm -hmm. and to be whatever else if they are boys mm -hmm. so this is also I mean we can talk a long time about that but uh, actually the fact that you have uh, so few female engineers especially currently in artificial intelligence which is my field uh, and that the whole technology is actually built by males and, and, and the worst part is that it is always white males mm -hmm. Uh, that's a very small proportion of the of the population, and then you have these roles like you know uh, all the TTSs and things are usually female voices, mm -hmm. the servants, mm -hmm. and when it comes to Watson system, mm -hmm. which is IBM system, it's a smart system that's a male voice, you know. Mm -hmm. So we somehow always have this kind of role models, and I think we we should, you know, it starts very early on. I, I said all the books that we read to to kids. Girls are princesses, boys are, you know, warriors, scientists, all other doctors, all other things. So I think we should we should change that and from very early on. But it's a long way to go. We need to lobby Toys R Us or <laughs> if Toys R Us is still around, I think it's become a Brexit victim <laughs> or something. I don't know. Um, and Nikkei, so you work in telecommunications, which I assume is very male dominated. Is it? one of the most diverse teams that you will find in the engineering sector, and we are quite unique. So I have another female in my team, which for me is, wow. <laughs> but I constantly, <laughs> she's actually here, so <laughs> <laughs> I constantly have to go to 
I go on site a lot and I constantly have to go to meetings where people have made the assumption that I'm there to take the notes or I get a congratulatory message after the meeting saying, oh, you did so well, Nicole. <laughs> well done. Good on you. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so there is, there is, there is that issue. Um, there are not that many women um, in transport, particularly transport, telecommunications or not that many women. But what is your team so unique? How have you managed to attract them? I think it was, for me, and, and most of the people on the team, uh, I've actually been part of the recruitment. Uh, so I said, but one, the white one, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> 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 no, so what, <laughs> the idea is that you recruit the best team. Not necessarily sometimes even the best people, you recruit the best team. And so what we've done is we've just recruited based on what we're looking for, what we're lacking. So if we're lacking um, knowledge in a particular area, we find people that fit that particular area. Rather than recruiting someone that we think is a genius, and, and can do everything. And I think that's the challenge in our industry, that we keep trying to recruit the best people and not the best team. Okay, that's good, that's good advice. Now, turning to the film a bit, there's a lot of power in this silver screen effect, you know. Um, did you know that after Hunger Games came out, there was this big surge in women taking up um, archery because, you know, you have this protagonist who uses a bow and arrow and she's so brave and fearless. Um, and it was the same when Jurassic uh, Park came out, you saw more paleontologists. And when uh, Indiana Jones came out, you saw more archaeology students. So there is real power here in Hollywood, in TV and on screen, in, on Netflix these days. Um, I mean, how important is that to you? How much do you think that needs to be reinforced? Oh, yes. You know what? It, it plays such a big role because to a certain extent, like, you know, a lot of us live our dreams through the big screen in a way. Um, it's also a form of escape, right? Because it's that one thing that you can be, that one place you can go, that one thing that you can do. And it constantly, you know, in, in every shape and form, it has that massive, 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 um, you know, it plays a massive role in our lives. Um, and, you know, I, I have no doubt that we need to start to get our engineering is cool message through the big screen. Um, as we start to tell stories, you know, as we start to imagine what the future is, as we start to even describe the work that we do, you know, it has to be through the big screen. Um, we need to get, you know, the likes of BBC, we need to get the likes of Netflix on our side, mm -hmm. um, really channeling great ideas um, through what I call storytelling. And it's not just about, it's not just about the screen, you know, it's not just about the stars, but it's about a story, a message, creativity, the sequence of stuff, taking places, taking people to places, um, and in all ways and form, forms, injecting the engineering message in. And, and Maya, going back to what you were saying before, one of the problems with, um, Hollywood is that it loves stereotypes. You know, it li it's a shorthand. It's an easy way that for the audience to know. Oh, I can, I can, re I can understand who that person is because I've seen him a million times before in other movies, or I've seen her a million times before in other movies. The sexy scientist or the nerdy guy. You know, they're tropes. So how do we start to pull away from that and get scriptwriters and directors and producers to understand that the real world isn't like that? 
That's a difficult question. Yeah. Um, I think it's really cool. It would be really good if we would have something like um, Attenborough, but a female Attenborough that would talk about engineering, about uh, technology, about artificial intelligence, about fourth industrial revolution, about everything what is to come. Because it is a female uh, person. Each and every time you always have, whenever science comes to, to especially exact sciences, sciences, when it comes to, to, to play, it's always a male. So females are always portrayed as princesses. Uh, so even Katniss Evergreen from Hunger Games, she was not, she was like one of really interesting personalities there in, in her village, in her district, right? Mm -hmm. This lady, she's a princess. Um, the brave lady, that's one of the Disney movies, she's also a princess. Moana is also a princess. Although they are wa warriors, they're always they princesses. princesses yeah. So I think it's really, we have to go away a little bit from mm -hmm. there. And I think actually everybody can become a scientist and, and anybody can become an engineer. It's just actually your willpower and discipline to sit and, and learn mm -hmm. and nothing else. <laughs> I, wonder, I want to come back to you because you do a lot of outreach work and a lot of work with young girls. Do you feel under pressure to fulfill this kind of, you know, this image of perfection that we expect from girls, this kind of princess aspect as well as being an engineer that you also have to look good, that you have to sound a certain way, that you have to be recognizably a perfect female as well as being an engineer? Um, yes, I, I think, well, to be honest, you know, there, there are certain pressures there because I'm trying to, I'm really, really, um, you know, I really want to get my message across. I want, I want to be, you know, a role model to kids. I, w I want them to say, you know what, um, she can do it so I can do it because they're hearing the other side of the story. They're not quite sure if they can actually do it, right? Um, and, and so sometimes, you know, that is establishing common grounds as such, right? Music, Cardi B, you know, <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, and some of that is there. Um, it, and it, 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 it's not always, you know, in, in how I look or, you know, the words that I say, but it's just bringing it back to interest, you know, um, it's, it's bringing it back to things that I think that they might enjoy. Um, and I might not always want to tune into Capital FM, but please, because I'm going to be talking to kids tomorrow, I am going to, you know, tune into Capital FM and see what is happening. And the reason I do that, because I feel it is on us engineers to get our message out there. We are the only ones that can tell that story fairly. Know, we, we, if we don't tell the story, who else will? It is our duty to go into the classrooms. It's our duty to, you know, put ourselves forward, you know, for a CBBC production or a Channel 4 production because, you know, we're right at the heart of the engineering industry. And how easy do you find that, though, when you're doing stuff for TV? Do they, do they need convincing because you're a black woman in engineering and not this kind of stereotype that they're used to? It's a very good question, and I've never really thought of it that way. Um, when I decided to, well, do what I do, I wanted to be a different type of engineer. You know, and I, very early on, uh, two years into my degree, I was not going to be, you know, the engineer behind a computer, you know, to be exact. Um, 
Nothing wrong with three beers. I wanted to be out there. I wanted a bit of the glamour. So very selfishly, I wanted a bit of the glamour. So, um, and I very quickly decided that was going to be the route, um, and I'm trying my best to stick to that. So you're going to have to take me as really, <laughs> and that's kind of the message that I mm. um, came across. And Nikkei, I mean, the lovely thing about Shuri is she's well-rounded. You know, she's not this one-dimensional character. She's got spark, and she's not, she's young, uh, but she's not this kind of sex symbol at all. She's just young, and she happens to be female. I mean, how important is she to you? Um, I think she's very, I mean, she's amazing. Um, I like her humor. I like that she can, she's not serious all the time. And the people that work with me will, tell you that, yeah, sometimes it's hard to get me serious. <laughs> so I like that she's got a bit of personality sometimes, because sometimes uh, women in engineering are, are, are kind of presented as people that have no personality whatsoever, or they're the ugly girls that couldn't do the nice courses, and so they're in the engineering department. And so it's actually quite nice what organizations like the RUT is doing in terms of showing that um, women can be glamorous, women in engineering can be glamorous, and it's okay. Uh, you know, I often hear people say, oh, I played with Lego. What about some people that didn't play with Lego? Are they not going to be engineers because they didn't play with Lego? <laughs> I don't know, but my, my point is, is Shuri is really important because she has something there, there's something extra there. And even in, in the movie, you know that even what you see is not everything is there, there's something there. And I think that's really important for a lot of people, and particularly young girls, and I love her, to be honest, she's amazing. Wow, it is so sweet though, hearing what this movie. So I'm gonna open it up for questions now. Um, does any, we have a roving mic because this is being recorded, so if you just wait for the mic to come to you, there's a guy up here. Uh, in a blue shirt. <laughs> I'm uh, actually an engineer as well, um, and uh, I know obviously uh, technology is a big part of this film, and also obviously a big part of the way in which uh, engineering is changing. Uh, when you're wanting to obviously keep the human element of it, and with artificial intelligence and things becoming, you know, a big part, and we don't necessarily know where it's going. Uh, how, as an industry, do you think we can keep that human element uh, in the, in what we do? Mm, that's a good question. I like the fact that engineering is um, out there really to solve social problems, to make people's lives better. Um, and I think, you know, it's really something that we have to remind ourselves of um, as we develop um, in the world of artificial intelligence to keep on asking ourselves the question, you know, why are we doing this? You know, what is the purpose? Um, and, you know, whether, whether it's through regulation or it's just through, you know, getting people to have a conscience, you know, the question has to be there. Are we actually serving the right purpose with this innovation? Um, are we actually catering to solve our world's um, social problems? Because, I mean, if, if, if that isn't the purpose of engineering, right, what is? Mm. 
problem currently, as you know, is that um, uh, the technology actually uh, removes uh, humans from each other. I mean, we are communicating through the phones more and more. We actually prefer, you can see it in any restaurant, people sit across each other on the same table and each one is with or her own phone. So I, I'm not very sure why it goes this way and I think one of the reasons is the addictiveness of the technology. One of the reasons why this happens is that uh, this technology is not advertised as an addictive substance. Um, it's actually usually uh, behind all of these things, the profit. So it is really up to us to raise the flag about that and say this is addictive, this is something you should really take care how you use, like we are doing it with, the, with drugs and tobacco and whatever else. So this is one part of the things. And the second is what she said, purposeful design. This is one of the things that unfortunately because the technology is built by males, I know you are a male, I'm sorry about that, but it's <laughs> just the truth. Um, so uh, the, the issue is that uh, males do have this idea of, um, they don't do this, what she said, teams. The purpose is the team, the purpose is the higher goal. Males like to have, the purpose is me, the purpose is my profit. So um, this is one of the problems that you need really more females to be everywhere and especially when it comes to the technology and currently this percentage is less than 10 percent mm. okay and um, question on this side at the floor i think someone already has the mic very good i'm sorry oh over here okay perfect thank you. Um, hi thank you um so i've had the a, a real privilege in working with young people and doing STEM camps and things like that. And I've had people come up to me, girls come up to me in these camps and they say that they were discouraged from applying, um, not because the, their staff at school didn't think they were capable, but because they said, oh, well, it'll be a boys club and you won't fit in. Um, and I found that really disappointing because I, I hope that there are a small number of people who are now being discouraged from entering engineering for stuff like that. And she asked me, you know, have you found it a boys club? And in my particular line of work, it, it very much is, but I'm aware that um, because of where I work, that that's a very unique situation. So I, I just want to ask the panel, have you, have you found that engineering uh, professional has been a, a boys club? And if you have, how have you handled it? Okay. Yes, is the answer. <laughs> it is a boys club, but you know, you know, if we continue to say, because it's a boys club, you're not going to get involved, then you know, then there will be no women in engineering. Um, I think that our industry uh, needs a lot of work in terms of how we engage with girls and how we get them involved in the industry. But I think that saying it's a boys club is just an excuse. I think that the more we have, the more women we have, this is what I say about ethnic minorities as well, the more women we have in engineering, the less of a boys club it will be. So if you're not part of the solution, then, you know, what? yeah, you're part of the problem. And it's a boys club for a reason. And the reason is that this is, uh, these are jobs, you can make money. An engineering degree, when I graduated, as for every engineer who graduates, they throw jobs at you. Because it's, you know, they really need engineers. And why should boys get all of that? Why should men have all of that action? Why can't women have it too? You don't even need to make the argument that 
we need representation, so you should do it because we want representation. Just do it because this is a great career choice. It's bankable, and women need bankable jobs too. <laughs> okay, any more questions? Over here we have one. Okay, does someone have the mic already? Over there, okay, thanks. Thank you, one, thank you for coming. My daughter is here, she's 14, uh, turning 14. She's a bit too shy to ask you. But she wants to know how would she become an engineer? What practical steps should she take? Because I don't have the knowledge myself. So apart from what I can Google, are there any points or tips you could share? So the main thing is uh, math. So she should be very good in math. And that's actually not very difficult. So it's just practice. Everything in life is just practice. So that's one. The second is try to get as good school as you can. There are a lot of state schools that are really good. And um, I would actually suggest state school. I would not suggest a private school. There is a reason for that. And the main reason for that is the fact that actually uh, the state schools, people, um, you don't have any problem if you are whatever you are. So if you're rich or if you're poor, if you're white or if you're black or yellow or blue or whatever. So state school is really cool thing. And uh, in fact, there are really fantastic state schools in, uh, in UK. So um, those are the couple of tips that I would give for the top universities. Uh, this is what we look at. Mm. Okay, sorry. I would also like to say, um, get involved. Um, you know, this we're in the Science Museum. Uh, I don't know how many times you've visited the Science Museum. There's always activities and things that you can get involved in. And start to build your network. It's not too early. Uh, find out about groups um, your age that are doing engineering, science and related stuff. And, you know, um, you can get in contact with me. Uh, I can help. <laughs> Okay, that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> and one day, I mean, this, uh, we know, research has shown us that um, if you exercise certain interests, that you actually become better at those things, that your brain develops in a certain direction. So for you, what could a young girl do to make herself better at the skills that she needs to be an engineer? Um, I, I'm just going to ask one question real quick. Um, can, can you, by show of hands, like if, if you're a young boy, girl interested in STEM, can you put your hands up, please? Yeah? Interested in STEM, science, technology? There was a baby there. And the baby, oh. yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can't start too young. Well, <laughs> the first thing I'm saying to you is you can do it. You yeah. know, you've got the ability to, yeah. right? Right? You have the, you were born with the ability to, right? Nobody can take that away from you, you know, but yourself. So you have to believe, that's the first place to start. The belief, the conviction that you can actually do it. You own the maths. You totally own it. Um, start with that and then ask questions. Like if there's something, there's something that feels a bit too difficult, you know, ask your tutors. Go online, reach out to, you know, engineering or, you know, uh, math role models and ask the questions there. Ask your peers the questions. Um, sorry, what was your question? <laughs> I just want to say, what, I mean, there are games, there yeah. are things you can do when you're young that yeah. can really push yeah, you Yes, stimulate, exactly, yes. Yeah. Um, you know what? 
you know, work with the numbers. There, there's so many. When I sit down with my nieces, they always go, oh, auntie, can you, like, help me with this stuff? There's so many online math games mm-hmm. and competitions also. Like, my niece, like, competes with, like, her other classmates, like, doing all these math questions, even, like, multiplication and things like that. So go for it. But the first thing is to, like, recognize that you can do it. You know, work, work with the maths. And everywhere you look, try to spot the engineering. The chair you're sitting on, try to spot the engineering. It's been manufactured. Your toothbrush. In the morning when you wake up, spot the engineering. It's been manufactured. And the more you can relate everything around you in your life to engineering, it, it will become a lot more accessible and in your mind and in your heart. Lovely. That's such a good place to end this discussion. Thank you so much. Good talk to everyone.